What's going on, people? Welcome to episode 12 of Something From Nothing. I'm your host, Aaron Mull, and today I have a very special guest. Uh, Ricky Staub is my guest today, and he is someone who I've wanted to talk to for quite a while now. Uh, about two months ago, maybe, I watched a short film that he directed and wrote um, called The Cage, and I knew instantly after watching that that I'd love to try to get him on the show and not only pick his brain about that short film, but about his company, Neighborhood Film Company. Uh, and so, yeah, that's it finally came to fruition. I, I got to talk to him today. It was a great conversation. Um, and, and Ricky's doing really cool stuff. So it was really cool to talk to him about his most recent film. But this is a guy that if you are um, interested at all in following someone's career, I highly urge you to to follow this guy um, and, and see what he does because I feel like we've only seen the beginning uh, for Ricky Stop. So it was a great conversation. I'm really uh, glad that I got to talk to him, especially, like I said, at this point in his career because I feel like um, he's just going to continue to do really cool things. So uh, with that said, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ricky Stop. All right, Ricky, how's it going? It's going great. <laughs> First of all, thanks for uh, taking the time to be on episode 13 of Something From Nothing. I appreciate um, having me on. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I like to do, especially with people that I don't know very well, is let you kind of have the floor for a little bit, explain who you are uh, for anyone who uh, is listening to this. Uh, so go ahead and give kind of the paraphrased uh, two-minute intro or whatever, however long, of who you are and uh, what you do. Sure, yeah. Well, my name is Ricky Staub. I am the founder of Neighborhood Film Company. Uh, I'm also a director, um, so we primarily do commercial advertisements, broadcast, online, you know, branded content. Uh, what's unique to our company is that we actually have a mission to apprentice formerly incarcerated men um, for full-time careers. So we equip them with skills more in the administrative realm, uh, the business side of filmmaking, you know, not necessarily teaching them to be directors or editors, but starting as production assistant and working up from there so that, you know, their skills are transferable. But, you know, to most people, we just shoot commercials. Right, right. <laughs> so. No, that's awesome. I, uh, I found you through, so I follow a few people, um, just kind of filmmaking channels on YouTube that give tips and, and kind of insight into this whole world. And Ryan Connolly is one of the guys I've followed for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, actually, um, Griffin Hammond also on Indie Mogul. I don't know if you remember that channel growing up. I actually just interviewed him last week. He, oh, okay. he made a Sriracha documentary. Those are, those are some of the guys I've been following for so many years. And I see Ryan tweet out um, links to stuff that he's suggesting people to go see. And so it was probably, what, like a month and a half ago at this point that he tweeted yeah. um, about your most recent short, uh, The Cage. And, of course, I went and saw it, and then it, that led me to watch the behind the scenes, and, and that kind of explained what you do and what you explain there um, with your company. And I thought this is just such an interesting topic because filmmake, the filmmaking world is so – there's so many ways to approach it and so yeah. many different aspects and levels to it anyways, and then you are now doing this. And I think it's just a, a pretty cool thing. So there is, I want to I want to start off by saying uh, right away, because I know we keep these episodes somewhat concise, somewhat bite-sized, but I will have linked down below um, Ricky's TEDx talk. He really goes in depth about Neighborhood Film Company. Um, and that's that was a really good, like, did you, was that pretty much like, you probably have that whole thing 
ready to go. But that was like a very well-spoken TED talk. Uh, um, no, thanks. Yeah, it was super intense because TED is intense. So dude, like you have to yeah. do a rehearsal and be memorized and um, what was it? My So my mark was set. I had 17 minutes, oddly. But oh, yeah, wow. and I had I couldn't go over. Otherwise, they would never like post it. Jeez. There's all these. And there's this huge timer at the ball. I won't go into it, but oh man, yeah, I worked well, yeah. for weeks, like yeah, polishing yeah, that in my sleep. So yeah, I was gonna say, glad seemed, that is behind. It came me. off very naturally, but no, I was thank like, you. damn, like that is <laughs> yeah. that is. Uh, I'm sure that was very rehearsed. Oh yeah, um, no, I worked. Yeah, I was terrified. Yeah, yeah, no, that was good. But yeah, go check that out if you guys want to learn more about that because we could go super in depth in that. I'm sure, but. I want to talk about the cage um, because this, first of all, the, I have some notes. I just watched it again just to kind of refresh myself because it had been a little while. Oh, thank the you. The first note I wrote down was beautiful and then locations. Like all of the locations were amazing. This thing was beautifully shot. What did you shoot this on? Because I know that's always a question that people have. Sure. Um, what kind of lenses? That was another thing I wrote down is the lenses. So let's just talk a little bit about gear. Yeah, I love gear. Um, yeah. I don't always know how it works, but yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. So we shot on an Alexa Mini, and we shot with Kawa Anamorphics. Um, okay. We actually had one other lens for that like super wide opening shot, um, mm -hmm. basically specifically to capture just the magnitude of the cage, which yeah. I'm actually not remembering what that lens is, so forgive me. Maybe I can put good. it in your notes. I'll, I'll hit up our <laughs> DP. All right, but cool. um, but you know, yeah. So that was our equipment that we used. Mm -hmm. Sorry, there's awesome. some sawing in the background. <laughs> That's all good. That's all yeah. good. I just recently moved closer to like downtown, and so every now and then you'll hear some some sirens outside. Pretty low key here. We just get the conversation. No, I uh, like that about podcasts. Form. It's like, hey, it is what it is. Like, yeah, let's yeah, just roll for sure. Um, but no, I definitely. The first thing I thought was, is this this is definitely like anamorphic you've got the super like creamy backgrounds blown out and it's like almost i don't know i've never shot with anamorphic but i feel like i can kind of tell when they're being used there was a yeah, shot specifically is really yeah that nice. bokeh's great there's a shot specifically where i think the main character had walked up to a group of people uh, that were just kind of chilling on a staircase and it was yeah. like from the street it was right before he talked or after he talked to the lady uh, wanting to go to church. Yeah, she suggested that it was either before or after that. But you could, you got the whole building they were sitting at. Oh front, yeah, in the I know shot. what shot you're you talking about. Street. That that shot, I was just like, dang, like that's that's right when I wrote down like what lenses uh, did you use? Because I was just curious. But it was beautifully shot, um, and I know that most people will tell people who are trying to get into this industry don't worry about the equipment don't worry about you know worry about audio more than anything really yeah. but have a good story and that's what this was i know you mentioned in the behind the scenes that at least what was his name william like the main character yeah he wasn't an actor previously to this yeah no one in the film actually they're like, all absolutely no one. absolutely no one yeah <laughs> wow okay yeah because that was i mean everything seemed pretty pretty solid but i just was assuming someone in there like especially the dad maybe i don't know no and yeah actually every every single person was either a person that lived in my neighbor so i lived in that neighborhood um okay. which was part of how i was able to pull it off so a lot like aisha william or zeke is the character's name uh the mom mm -hmm. um she was my neighbor for like five years and oh, um wow. 
And then the father, his name is OG Law or Michael Tabon, but he goes by OG Law. He's a fascinating, amazing human. You can look him up. He's a social activist in Philly. There's actually this really compelling documentary coming out about him called Fight Hate with Love. Um, wow. I had seen him through that actually because I know the filmmaker on that doc, but then one of our producers grew up with him. Mm-hmm. And when he read the script, was like, yo, I know I know this guy. <laughs> like, we need mm-hmm. to get him in it. So part of my process with casting was how can I find people that aren't necessarily carbon copies of the characters but can tap right. into the struggle of these people. Yeah, um, yeah. So. No, that was, that was an amazing uh, cast because everyone just seemed to really put – a lot into those characters and the behind the scenes showed me that as uh, from a director standpoint you seem to very much get involved almost you're almost in the action with them oh, yeah. um, with the mother and the son scene him coming home that was especially you were just really trying to drive <laughs> it in because trying to get that energy out um, and the performance out of her what, what what is is that like a is that what you are normally like on set or how are you as a director or did it just take that for this specific no. piece I would say both and. I mean, normally I'm not trying to pull that kind of performance out of, you know, like uh, when I'm shooting an Xfinity commercial. It's not really like a (laughs) gut-wrenching story. But I am very much like a physical director. I just I don't really know any other way. But I knew going into this story that um, I was going to be working with people that didn't have training. And in order for them to understand the level of which I needed a performance, I was going to have to basically perform with them and yeah. do everything um you know not that they had to copy me but you know the scene in the, in the behind the scenes is kind of a good example of like i was in the mix of like you know really helping them envision and play pretend in a lot of ways of yeah you know what this moment looks and feels like because um, i think something that you know someone who isn't a trained actor doesn't have is it's hard for them to keep the whole like emotional scope in their minds, like where I have it, you know, and some, so I worked a lot with William on that constantly Mm -hmm. asking him, I would ask him first, like, where are you emotionally? And sometimes you're like, I I don't know. Like, you know, he's just like the guy, he's just a basketball player, you know, but then I would walk him through what's happened, what we've shot. Remember we shot it like this and you think, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I know this moment. Or I would do a lot of equating, like just use who you are. Like this character is a lot of ways just, be you you know responding okay. this way so yeah. um because i wasn't asking him to be like a, a far departure from who he was or you know aisha is a good example she's not actually a prostitute um, right. in real yeah. life but she knows women like this i mean it's a very mm-hmm. common thing that women you know use their body to to make money and um she was able to tap into you know what i wanted to be was this like sad side of the reality for her of like that she right. was at one point a loving mom and a kid that she adores and she or she is staring at her son down the hall who's watching her invite men into her life it wasn't anything to celebrate yeah. you know she was able yeah, to yeah. really like connect she has kids she i was like just imagine if your son khalil is looking at you mm. you know yeah. so it's kind it's of powerful yeah yeah it's and it, and it kind of goes with in the in the behind the scenes you talked about you know working uh with actors trained actors and then non-actors you kind of do get that middle ground because you almost have an advantage i feel like maybe working with non-actors and i know me working with people that are just my friends that are just willing to help with stuff it's kind of the same way i haven't really worked uh too much with like people that consider themselves like trained actors yet so 
I mean, is that was that a good experience? Was that hard? What was that like? I know you kind of explained yeah. it there, but no, it was you know something that I've thought about it more. I didn't you know, I guess when I was shooting the behind the scenes, I didn't really think about it, and I we hadn't put the film out yet, so I didn't you know I didn't know how I didn't even know if it was gonna be any good. So it's like yeah. Um, now having, you know, one of the biggest questions is kind of like where we're at now where people are like, wait, they're not actors or, you know, where did you cast them from? Yeah. But I think the, the thing, the gut instinct that I feel like served me really well was that I think acting is really, or the best moments, moments that I like to write for, which the script had is moments of vulnerability that you don't normally let people see. Mm. And I think that actors who aren't like a list trained, amazing, like, those, those middle ground actors think too much about how they look or how they're going to be received. Yeah. They think too much about the performance. Whereas the people I was working with, I think had a general vulnerability to their life and mm -hmm. had um, an emotional connection to the material. You know, something when I yeah. wrote it, very aware that I'm like the whitest looking white dude and <laughs> writing a drama that takes place in an all black neighborhood of North Philly. Right. Um, but you know, it's two things. It's like, you know, black filmmakers shouldn't only be able to make black stories. Just like, it's like white filmmakers shouldn't be able to only tell white stories and something I obviously felt comfortable telling the story because I was asking people I knew um, to be a part of it. And something that I think helped with their performance was when they read the script, they'd always tell me that's very real. I, I know what you're trying to say here. You know, they yeah. connected to it. And I think the mix of them not you know trusting they didn't care how they came out they didn't care how they were going to look because it wasn't a preconceived notion of like i'm going to be judged by how i act or i'm gonna yeah. i'm trying to make it in new york and la like I, yeah. I think that really inhibits actors because they're worrying too much about the performance rather than just being you yeah. know like something that these people did so well which like some of the scenes when we were shooting them i was like oh my god this is amazing is yeah. they were just like so present like truly playing pretend like in, in a, this world was real to them and i think that happens because i think they have a natural vulnerability about their spirit and about um i don't know i it does i don't know if that makes sense but it was like a gut instinct i had that like this community of people that i really loved would be able to get play pretend with me like in the behind yeah, the yeah. scenes when I'm screaming and I'm like you know <laughs> yeah. grabbing that yeah. I mean that's not the only scene there's like every scene was insane like that it's like yeah Ricky's like going a million miles an hour the whole time <laughs> budget stuff right like let's talk about this was sponsored by film supply and music bed correct yeah so or the way I... well the way that it happened is so um they actually they didn't fund it um that wasn't okay. part of the deal so the way that came to be actually is I had put together a treatment, um, mm -hmm. which was what I was like wooing everyone to work for free on. <laughs> um, yeah. The only people that actually didn't work for free uh, were cast members. I paid all the cast. Yeah. Um, and then there was other, you know, just hard cost equipment and stuff. But yeah. um, the partnership with Film Supply came to be because I knew that they had done really good spotlight features on making okay. ofs and people. And I just thought this is going to be, I'm either going to have a really amazing experience or this is going to go terribly bad and mm -hmm. it'll be great content either way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to go great, but we pitched yeah. to them originally just to shoot a behind the scenes, which they agreed to. So I was like, okay. you guys can have access, you can sell the footage. Um, that was part of the deal. Cause I'm like, we're shooting in an area 
I mean, the footage is going to be crazy if you read the script. And they're like, agreed. So they agreed to do that. And then okay. we didn't know that after the fact, they had been looking for the first film to be part of this Film Supply original series. Mm-hmm. And so we got a call after they screened, like we sent them a rough cut. And they're like, VP called us and was like, dude, <laughs> like we got to, we're going to put some serious capital behind this. So they ended oh, nice. up getting a PR firm involved and like, yeah, I mean, okay. it was like sponsored posts. It was like, you know, write-ups. It was anything and everything they could do right. to help promote the piece. And so that cool. it was kind of it was cool for us because you know when you make something, you're like, is anyone even gonna watch it? Yeah, it's yeah. like, um, and I'm not like famous, so you know, no one's gonna watch it. Maybe like my family and <laughs> a couple right. of people. And on I mean, Instagram. a lot of times you look at some of these things and you wonder. Some people get intimidated, like, okay, well, how how am I even gonna get the money to make the thing I want before someone might even see it and get behind it, right? Certainly. And so a lot of times it, it is taking that risk of, all right, well, I'm gonna put my own money into something because it's a passion project. And if uh, somehow it can make the money back, that's enough, you know? Some people take big hits just to make their passion projects and it never turns, it, turns into anything. So that's pretty awesome that that ended up being the way it worked out. Yeah. And is there any uh, plans for like what are you working on now as far as I know you guys do like commercial stuff yeah is there a, a script you have brewing in your head right now is there already something you're ready to to turn out next what's that yeah like? so um, there is but I can't really talk about it because yeah okay um, we actually that's all that, that's we all have, we needed to hear yeah, though, no, is no. That there is but, something. but I will I'll encourage people with this you have to take the risk. You have to spend the money. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be exorbitant. Like something that I took into account is what can I get for free that doesn't look free? Acting, like the people I knew, um, I had versions of scenes that required no acting, but I knew if I casted it well, visually, I could do some stuff, some magic moments with the camera. But mm-hmm. um, I knew I couldn't cast people from North Philly to me have a like a soul to them that doesn't exist in a you know someone in Brooklyn trying to make it, and so mm-hmm. I wanted that texture. The locations, like you said, yeah. I knew that this was going to visually be like anywhere no one's ever seen. So take those things into account. But you know, ultimately, like the reason we did it is because. Um, it's elevated our commercial work, but you know, I looked at Dan, my business partner, and said, you know, we've been writing for a long time, writing s- scripts, and no yeah. one is going to make a movie with us if all they see are sixty-second ads. You know, no one says, oh, that guy should make a movie. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd done some research on what you know they look for in shorts, and there was a huge business move to me of saying, like, I'm going to take what I love, but put mm-hmm. it into a fifteen-minute film that can really showcase what I can do as a director. Yeah. Um, and I was able to follow up, you know, we got a lot of outreach, which has been incredible. Um, to the point where I, I, there was, um, a story that takes place in that same neighborhood, a book, a property that I've wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so all I can say right now is it's optioned and we have a pretty amazing producer behind it. I can't Very say cool. yet because it's like that's what, hey, there's that's some okay. stuff being signed, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, once it's public information, it'll be really exciting. I, you know, I know that kind of sounds like, oh, nothing's really happening, but there are things happening, which has been totally blew my expectations away, but right. hopefully an encouragement. Like this is why you make these pieces, you know, mm-hmm. to show people this is what I can do. Right. Yeah. And I think 
every conversation that I have with people, whether whether it's on the podcast or not, it, it's all it always comes back to making the things that you are most passionate about. Those are the those are the ones that are going to rise to the top. Those are the ones that are going to totally. be seen by the most people and have the most um, the best reactions. And so. I, I think it it always it's it's so cliche like just do what you love or just yeah. tell the stories that that mean the most to you but those are the ones that that are gonna stick with people and so I guess totally. for anyone out there that is just struggling to start it's just think about um, think about what you would act like the the best thing you want to make right the the biggest topic or the um, the best idea you have and just go for it don't try to necessarily do what anyone else is doing or think about yeah. oh well what's what's hot right now you know it's just always whatever story is um the one you actually want to tell those are the ones that are going to do the best and i think you know outcome. people respond to that you know my encouragement unless you're a comedy director like mm -hmm. cage is not a humorous piece but right you know yeah. for me i think like dramatic work is its finest when like vulnerability is displayed on screen you know like yeah. you put your heart out there and i think um when you deeply care about something um and you give it that effort like there is and i only i'm only saying this as as like i didn't know that people would respond so positively to the film mm -hmm. um because to me it's like all i see is its flaws you know i've watched it 10,000 times. I edited right. it. It's like, I've yeah. seen every variation of this thing and flaw <laughs> of what I could have done better. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think ultimately when you put yourself out there, um, there's like a texture and like a spirit to the film that I think mm -hmm. somehow gets captured. Um, when it has like that original voice and I'm, I can only really say that because I see that happening, like the way people have digested <laughs> it or, you know, they're not necessarily like, people from all over the world like have tr genuinely reached out and been touched by it that aren't necessarily from that neighborhood or from that background and yeah, i think that's yeah. really special to me like it's crazy like you know because on paper there were people that read the script and were like this is really weird like this dude's getting yeah. eaten by vines and there's uh, you know I like guess, imagine yeah. like some of the scenes like the church scene comes off kind of like womp womp in the script but like right. i know what it can be if it's executed yeah, yeah. you know and so that there's a lot too as to really listen to your like like i took tons of notes and tons of thoughts from people i trusted but there was like that next level where it's like at the end of the day like i'm the one who has to like drive this plane you know fly yeah. this plane like i have to be confident in what my like deepest core is telling me it needs to be told so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i don't know well said no that was great um one one question that I kind of skipped over that I I was yeah. curious about because I don't think I saw in the BTS what was your how long was your shoot uh, how many days yeah so the way we structured it was we had a splinter unit so there we shot two days over a weekend okay or, or so I'd say this we prepped for a week shot for two days which was uh, the church scene was an actual um, is held at this church that's it's a narcotics anonymous prayer service so it was okay. a real service that we kind of took over and like sculpted. Um, wow. And then there was a barbecue that was actually happening. A friend of mine who runs a basketball camp was doing a fundraiser. So we shot the drum line and all that stuff. Yeah. At, okay. And that was happening. So one thing was happening on Saturday, one on Sunday, and then we fit in a couple other like bedroom scenes and stuff, mm -hmm. shot that out. And then we had a week of prep and then we shot for four days 
after that. So it was okay. like six so. full days of shooting. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, you can, you can cram a lot into a day, you would think, and then you realize, like, it's time just goes yeah. like that. So well, I give to, a lot of credit. That that. I give a lot of credit to Dan, our EP, because we intentionally made a long schedule to, you know, you show up to these scenes with people, you know, the only acting I'd ever seen them do was like auditioning them on their stoop or like reading lines with them. And yeah. some of them yeah. were like kind of iffy performances. So we allotted for a lot of time. Um, okay. To really which direct to it. really direct and rehearse like I knew I wasn't gonna get like tons of rehearsals and to me my gut also told me is I'm gonna get these people to peak one time and it's yeah. gonna be that one time I'm filming filming and then I mean some of those takes that are amazing in there it happened once yeah and it's like threading a needle Dang. and so I knew um, that my odds like I needed to you know um, even that scene that is in the BTS where um, Aisha or Zeke's mom is yelling at him. There was actually a dialogue happening there originally in the script, but it just was so crappy when we were rehearsing it. So oh, I like okay. scrapped it and I saw it. You know, ultimately at the end of the day, she's a mom trying her best and she's freaked out because she just heard there was a fight or, you know, and that right. she doesn't can't get a hold of her son. And his goal is to just get upstairs and he's pissed and wants to get revenge. Like right. they're just roadblocks. So like I yeah, just... Yeah. We like scrapped it right there in rehearsal. I was like, this is wrong. We're going to start over. Okay. Um, right on the spot then, huh? But I, you know, I needed the time to realize that, which is, you know, hats off to uh, Dan, uh, our executive producer, for knowing ahead of time that I wasn't going to be able to just burn through pages. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, yeah. the script was only like, I think, 10 or 11 pages. So you think, right. oh, we can bang this out. But, mm -hmm. um, hmm. It was, it was all him. I was like, you know, yeah. I didn't. It's, it's always, no matter what you're shooting, a documentary, uh, you know, narrative stuff, nothing, there's always going to be something that goes wrong. There's always going to be yes. hurdles to get over. <laughs> um, so that's cool that you're able to get through that. I know. And there's things that go right. I would say the time allotment allowed us yeah. to, like, experiment. You know, there were some scenes where we shot it, and at the end, actually that scene, we shot all the crappy stuff and then finally figured it out at the end. And, you know, it took a certain level of humility for me to go, we're going back and we're going to reshoot all the other pickups. Yeah. Um, to basically say, I didn't have it before. It wasn't good before. Um, and the time allotted, you know, then we found and discovered things. People got more relaxed, you know. So. Yeah. The worst part is, you know, interviewing someone or trying to do a scene and then at the very end, they're finally opening yeah. up or they're finally relaxed. And you're just like, all right, we're going to start this whole thing over because now, now you're, you're there. To go. Yeah. Um, so the sequences, I have one more kind of thing and then we can kind of wrap it up. But we're, you edited the thing too. Yes. Um, so some of the sequences like with the music and the highlights, I liked the way that you really showed uh, what was happening to the music and then all of a sudden we were in the church, right? So you're, you're hearing the music, you're seeing the kind of the sequence of him going there and then all of a sudden we're hearing the actual sounds in the church. Is that something that was 100% planned or was it the way you had to end up stringing it together in the editing room? Because I know sometimes you can be like, yeah. you're thinking that you're going to have a transition a certain way and then you have to kind of rebuild the entire, not the entire thing, but certain sequences. Was there any hurdle in the editing room? Was, were you thinking, oh, it's going to be 25 minutes, or 
yeah, they ended no. up having less or it was definitely longer in the beginning but um okay so some i'd say some of it um was planned and some just like happenstance worked in the edit like gotcha. um you know i think if you like some stuff i imagined playing over the other i'm trying to really go back and it's hard to like tell the difference now i should go back and read the script and see like <laughs> what the difference was but I, I did know certain things like um i knew that the transition into into the church scene was going to happen like that uh-huh. um and then i knew that what well the so one thing i didn't know is those are real testimonies so the way we set up the church which wow. might be helpful to people is the pastor who introduces Blake, the guy that spoke, read the script, understood the story, and I said I really needed testimonies that displayed how um, this community and like their faith really um, grew them out of their bottom. Like what mm-hmm. it, I needed to see that. And so he's like, I got you, I got you. So there was a huge risk of like, if no one shows up with anything good to say, this is gonna be complete. You know, I was like oh, apexing man. the whole film on this emotional yeah. like turn. Yeah, um, yeah. that could have been totally cheesy but yeah. I worked a lot with Mel the pastor like I, he like got what I wanted he's like dude I'm gonna tee it up and honestly there was probably two or three other testimonies I could have used they were really? so it was wow. one of the most unbelievable nights in my life I was honestly weeping holding the monitor I'm like just below Blake who's talking there and the DP is like right above me so I'm like kind of directing him okay. and yeah yeah and just there again the emotional availability like there's lights everywhere i mean we have a uh-huh. huge alexa and like easy rig i mean we're all at like 10 feet from him so um so i knew if it went well it would transition into like basically this moment this cathartic moment of zeke being there like he basically just basically barely gets himself there right to, because yeah. of this woman who saves his ass it's like yeah okay you saved me i'll do what you said which was like go to church uh-huh. and his presumption of church which he had never been to church, that real actor. And he's like, I said, I just genuinely want you to listen. Take it in as a kid who's never been to church. Oh, wow. And you show up there and your life is shitty. You almost got yeah. arrested. Your friend is in jail. And just listen. Okay. Just genuinely soak it up. Yeah. And that's what he did. And it was amazing. Um, so so the shot of him in the, in, in the pew watching, taking it in, that was while an actual testimony was happening? Yeah. Or were you telling him just... No, that was okay. genuinely happening because I couldn't actually get to him without disrupting. So that I like gave him all this coaching. I was like, never break character. Genuinely, like just listen. Just take it in. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a second camera rolling on him, or did you? No, was that we only had different... one camera. So okay, um, it was a spastic shooting. Me and the DP switched off operating because it's very tiring to shoot for like three hours nonstop. But we were basically covering right. testimonies. We had the audio the whole time, and then just. We're just flying around getting coverage. Wow. Um, and so we wow. did a lot of knowing that going into it, I knew that we would have to cover up almost every time that you see someone's back or mm-hmm. like the pastor, they're not actually saying that. Or you're seeing an okay, audience yeah. member, it's a cut, which yeah, yeah. you wouldn't know necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I knew going into it, I was going to have to hide the fact that I don't have multiple cameras. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, then, you, like, you, could, you yeah. couldn't tell at all. Yeah. Um, but as far as like editing in and out, um, I knew I wanted, I knew my shot sequence. So I knew I wanted like a shot behind. We have each person giving a testimony, a shot behind them. Cause I wanted to cut it as like a parallel person, you know, like, um, when Zeke walks into the basketball court, we're like over his shoulder. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to visually show like he's taking what he digested there and yeah. 
he internalized it and physicalized it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think it's like, oh, his big moment is apologizing to his buddy, you know, <coughs> that he like got in a fight with, but really yeah, it, yeah. it comes down to, it's just this relationship with his mom, you know, that it leads to at the end, which, um, I knew then again, not knowing what the prayer would be that Miss Margaret, that's her real name. And we just used it in the script, um, mm-hmm. was going to end with a prayer. The real community actually gets together in a circle and prays together every once a month so we just did that and she knew about the script and the story so she just like kind of embodied it in her prayer for me um but the way william was just looking up during that was just like yeah it was a really interesting dynamic that i'm totally going to utilize in the future is like how to implement like acting in real moments because the authenticity is just through the charts i mean yeah um when i watched blake's testimony I was in tears one because it's just so heart-wrenching like his story which is more flushed out in real life like I cut it down for the piece but I was like my god this is like one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen like and it genuinely is a performance I mean there's so many lights there's a camera a director is literally sitting you know on his knees next to him yeah like pushing him and I mean it's the fact that he was a like it goes back to my like non-actor theory is like that guy was emotionally available and I just don't yeah. see that happening from a lot of like people that are um, self-conscious of their performance, yeah. you know? Right. So. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I was about to take it back to is, is my initial question of was everybody a non-actor because that, that like little performances like that and not little, but little spots in the film, like his testimony that's where I'm like, oh well, that's gotta be an actor, right? <laughs> yeah. But now, but now knowing that that was an actual testimony, it's just like, wow. And no, even no wonder, like the right? reactions. I mean, I'm I'm, and so impressed and thankful, and I'll be grateful the rest of my life, that even the people in the audience were able to disconnect from us. I mean, there's shots like yeah. everyone talks about the guy with the do rag who's like in tears listening to a performance, and I'm like, pushing five feet away from his face. And, you know, but he was like able to just be in the moment, you know, people are always like, oh, well, it was real. But I'm like, yeah, but you have to understand knowing someone's filming you, it becomes a performance because you're immediately aware you're being filmed. Like, there was a real commitment from the entire audience for us to be there. Like, I was so Mm -hmm. thankful after and before. And they like prayed over us um, afterwards in the circle. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, what an amazing body of people that like truly were a good fit for this film you know like they got it yeah what an experience that was pretty amazing well i mean gosh i think we'll leave it at that i think that's (laughs) pretty good we can wrap there guys go watch the cage it's on vimeo is it on anything else right now uh i mean vimeo is the best spot i think it's on youtube but right go watch it on vimeo guys you'll get the best quality out of it um pull it up on the big screen check it out ricky uh thanks for being on the show um I thanks appreciate for having it. me man yeah um i can't wait to follow along what you're doing do you have a twitter do you have anything we're gonna link everything below but yeah, what, yeah. where can people uh, find you i'd say instagram is the best uh instagram just okay. at neighborhood film it's uh i personally cool. run that for our company it's basically oh, cool. my account um but okay. it's the best way to like get in touch with me see what we're cool. doing look at cool pictures cool, cool. <laughs> You know, Perfect. Well, stuff. I'll have that linked down below. I'll have everything else linked down below where you can go check out the film. And uh, Ricky, good luck with everything you're doing. I can't wait to follow along. Thanks, man.